Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Each week, I will sit down with a friend who is an artist or creative as they share their story of how Jesus brought them from the dark and into His glorious and powerful light. At the end of each episode, I'll be diving into a passage of scripture and bringing you truth straight from the Word of God. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters and that with God, even the broken parts of your story can have incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. everybody. Welcome to the podcast, season one, episode one. And I am so excited to share with you one of my favorite people and a friend who has been such a light in my life, Miss Jenna Claire Mason. She's also a Southern girl. She's from Nashville, Tennessee, and is currently starring as Glinda in Wicked on Broadway. I first met Jenna Claire early this year when I joined the Broadway company of Mean Girls and became her neighbor a couple of blocks down from the Gershwin at the August Wilson Theater. Her friendship has been such a blessing in my life over the past several months. The timing of our paths crossing was just a gift from God. I respect and admire this girl so much and am just honored to call her a friend and a sister. So Jenna Claire Mason, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. That's the sweetest intro ever. Um, I'm so honored to, to be here and to be, am I your first guest? You're my first. Oh my goodness. Number one. Here we go. Whew, pressure's on. <laughs> Pressure is not on. It's it's <laughs> off. So I'm so glad that uh, that we're friends. Um, Lara Lee, I feel like you have to tell your listeners where we are right now. Yeah, um, to let everybody into the podcast life. We are in our closets. Mm-hmm. That's real life for you. Yep. I have um, a cute little fleece blanket around my head and... We're doing the thing. I'm like, and where's your mic? Some... Your mic is sitting on top of a cajon. Yeah, mic on a cajon, sitting on some pillows next to my husband's shoes. It's good. We love it. We <laughs> love it. So I'm not gonna lie. I followed you on the social medias for a few years before our paths crossed. And Was it Tulsa? Cause Tulsa. Cause Tulsa probably um, saw you fly around in the bubble Aww. when you were in Tulsa on tour with Wicked. And I just have loved um, seeing your light from afar and uh, just watching you do your thing and be awesome and tell stories. And um, I just want to take a few minutes actually to reminisce on how we met in New York, because I think people would love to hear that story. (laughs) Yes. So how was it? I so I messaged you on social media, I think, and was Mm -hmm. like, hi, I'm over at Mean Girls. I was like, yay, I knew of you because of Allison Bailey. Oh, yes. And you sent me the sweetest message. And we had another mutual friend, Allison Allen, who had been an acting coach of mine in high school, who's mm-hmm. a believer. And you had met her too, right? How did you meet Allison Bailey? Not Allison you know, Bailey. How I did you meet Allison Allen? <laughs> Allison Allen. You know, I read her books and mm. just left her heart for the Lord and for musical theater and um, I think we met virtually too. You know, I love social media because you can just connect with people from all over. Totally. 
Yeah. And you were like, let's get coffee. And I said, absolutely. How's this Friday? I think it was a Friday. And yeah. you came and you met me at the stage door. Yeah. I was in rehearsals for Mean Girls and um, you just welcomed me in and we connected that night. And then um, shortly after the quarantine happened and we went our separate ways back yes. home. Um I feel like you to- had your binder with you when you came to the theater. Like you were, I'm pretty you sure were in I the did. thick of rehearsals. Oh my gosh. I was just carrying that binder around everywhere. Mm-hmm. So funny. So back us up because I think everybody is probably dying to know your story about becoming Belinda. I was about to say Belinda. That's not your name. <laughs> is Belinda. Wait, is Belinda one of the stepsisters in Cinderella? Oh, Maybe I I'm making so. that up. It's no, I, I think you're right. <laughs> okay, well, you Lucinda. Tell us your story. It's like Lucinda and I don't know. <laughs> Galinda. That sounds right, Belinda. Galinda. Yeah. About being Galinda on Broadway, will you tell us your story, how that happened? Yes. Uh, where do you want me to go from? Like the young, young years or like college? I think, yeah, tell us about just like growing up, how you fell in love with musical theater and then you became Glenda. Definitely. I always kind of say I think music theater was in my bones. My family grew up on the classics. We watched Sound of Music. I always wanted to like pop in that VHS of Cats, Guys and Dolls, West Side Story, and... Um, I know I've told you, but the first soundtracks I owned were uh, My Fair Lady, Annie Get Your Gun, mm. Regular Love Annie. <laughs> the classics. And um, yeah, I feel like my family could, you know, burst into one day more at any moment in time. So that was the kind of uh, childhood I had. And then I saw my big brothers doing community theater and I thought that was really cool. And I started auditioning for shows. I definitely didn't get into the first couple shows I auditioned for. And I remember that was sad, you know, in the second grade. And then in third grade, I had my chance. It was, they were doing a community theater production of Grease. You know, one of those musicals that has really good moral values. <laughs> and um, I was a wallflower wannabe, which I think was just, you know, one of the ensemble members that sat on the bench during the dance scene. Can I say that Grease was also my first musical? <gasps> what? How old were you? It was my ninth grade year. Oh, was it at your high school or like at a community it was, theater? It was in high school. That's amazing. First high school show. Did yep. you play Sandy? No, I didn't. I was one of the pink ladies. Not one with a name, though. Just like pink lady number six. Unnamed pink lady. Did you wear a pink yes. lady's jacket, though? Oh, duh. You were in. I in. Okay, <laughs> you sorry. Haven't. You can continue. Wait, were you, does that mean you were in beauty school dropout? Oh, duh. What did you yes. have on your head in beauty school dropout? I don't know. I don't remember. I hope it was like massive curlers. Wait, so what did you say you were? I was a wallflower wannabe. Oh, I love that. But in middle school, our community theater did it again, and I got to play Marty, and I thought that was really fun. And then much later, the summer Eric and I got engaged, I got to finally play Sandy, and that was, you know, third time's a charm. (laughs) Third time's a charm. I want to see you you play Sandy. uh, You got to be hopelessly devoted. Well, yes, that is like the go-to song, but the summer, the place where I did it, 
they did the old school song that went with Sandy, which Mm. is Since I Don't Have You. Do you know that song? No. Put it in your book. (laughs) I think you would like it. Okay. Um, So back to third grade. Loved, uh, started loving all things musical theater. I think there was a a turn in the fourth grade. We're like really trenching our way through. Um, that was this year that I got to play Annie and Annie. And then it was also the year that I saw my first Broadway show. I went up to New York with my parents and saw Les Mis and kind of looked at my parents at intermission and said, oh, people do this for their job? Like I could be an accountant or uh, an interior designer or I could do this? Count me in. The real game changer for me, though, is I saw the original cast of Wicked on Broadway in seventh grade and told my parents at intermission, proudly proclaimed that someday I would play Glinda, probably having no idea what the odds actually were for that. But I felt confident that that was my life path at age 13. So so here we are. I kind of never looked back after that. Still just kept doing shows in my community and in my high school. I feel like I have to include the fact that I never got a lead role in high school or middle school. So I don't know what really possessed me to believe that I could go play a starring role on Broadway, except for Mm -hmm. that God is good also. But also I think I just had, you know, some really encouraging teachers and super supportive parents, but um, started looking into music theater programs pretty early on and thought I wanted to be in New York and, upon closer examination kind of realized you know New York's not going anywhere and that's where I want to be for a long time and maybe it would be cool to have you know the unique campus experience and oh my goodness fell in love with Elon University and their program and got to go there for four years and Mm. did summer stock every year and uh, graduated and you know did the whole thing got an agent and did a couple national tours and after five auditions got to be the Glinda standby on Broadway which was a dream come true and I did that for about 16 months and then I went on tour for about 20 months as the role and then I was playing Glinda on Broadway and I did that for about a year until um, corona hit and everyone's kind of like at a standstill at the moment in our industry anyway. And yeah, hopeful, hopeful that will come back stronger than ever. Um, m- maybe early 2020, 2021. So it was your dream. Like you're a little girl imagining, wow, one day I want to be Glinda on Broadway. And then you did it. And now you're Glinda on Broadway. And you've been Glinda for about five what, five years now? Yeah, on and off for about five years, which is crazy. I was actually, um, it's kind of a joke now with me and my husband because technically I guess I have the title even though eight shows a week aren't happening at the moment. But I think last night I was washing dishes after dinner and I said to my husband, I'm Glenda on Broadway. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like it right now because I'm not performing, but that's cool. That's a cool thing. That's really fun. I need to remind myself that. I need yeah. to just be washing dishes and say, I'm Karen on Broadway. Yes, you and, are. <laughs> that's so funny. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and I think, you know, we talked before this interview and I asked you, Jenna Claire, I was like, I just want to hear your story. 
mm-hmm. and you said um, while my musical theater story is neat and can be tied up with a bow uh, and that your real life was you know a lot messier and yeah. I think that's the real life for a lot of us um, that we're all humans and we go through um, hard things and I would just love for you to share some of your story yeah definitely um you're exactly right I think you know we've talked a lot about the name of your podcast and and how beautiful it is and what does it mean to live in the light and what does it mean to or what does it look like to bring our messiness and our struggles into the light and share that because I think you're exactly right um if you just look at my journey to Broadway, it looks so, it's, I, I think we said, it's like our Sunday best. It's, you know, here I was dreaming of playing Glinda someday and dun da 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 I'm Glinda on Broadway. Yay, you can tie up that story with a pretty bow and, and put that on a podcast and I feel like people would maybe like it. But yeah, definitely, just like anybody else, I think, um, you know, we can all learn from each other's struggles and so a big part of my story early on was that I was sexually abused um, when I was seven and eight and it's something that I kept a secret for a really long time Um, about 10 years I didn't tell anybody and I think it was around that time that I was struggling a little bit in my high school relationships and feeling like they weren't going the way that I maybe felt like God wanted my relationships to look like, especially romantic ones. And then I think I also saw um, some relationships struggling around me. Uh, One of a teacher in my life and one of a mentor in my life where marriages were rocky And I think for the first time, I really realized, okay, everybody has baggage. And something I want someday is to get married and be in a relationship. And that's something I would like to uh, be proactive about, even at this age. And if that means sharing my baggage and working through it, I'd rather do that now, you know, before I maybe meet that someone so that... Maybe someday, God willing, I get to meet somebody wonderful and get married and share my life with them. That maybe my load will be a little bit lighter because, I mean, the blood of Jesus, but then also because it's something that I've taken the time to work through on my own with a professional. And so that was um, a big turning point for me. That's like the first time I ever told my parents, and that was hard but awesome I mean of course I think anytime you're saying okay here's this secret I've been carrying around for a long time and wow I didn't even know what a toll it was taking on me emotionally to um, carry this and keep this all on my own and the the weight that was lifted at that time was awesome and they were so supportive and encouraging and Um, got me set up with a counselor that I really loved for 
uh, my high school years, and that was really great. And I think it's something that in different seasons of life I've had to go back and revisit, you know, if it comes up in in a different way. But um, that's been great. And definitely, I know you know, Lara Lee, because this is the first time I'm ever sharing this publicly, even um, having this conversation with you on a podcast, I think led me to have some more conversations with people who were really close to me who I've never shared this with before. And again, it's just felt like, you know, leading up to, to talking to you here and now the conversations I've had over the last week. And here I am another decade past that first time sharing it. And it's, it's a whole other weight lifted, but I guess backing up, um, it's definitely not the part of my story that I like the most. And it's something that I think at times has been a point of contention or confusion. And um, I know I shared this with you, but I was sitting in my kitchen in high school one day and oh it was a Sunday and I think there was a televangelist on the TV and I remember him saying something along the lines of you know maybe on this side of heaven um, we won't know the purpose of our brokenness or the things that we struggle with right but if nothing else maybe our brokenness could be used to minister to other people or I think in my case I think um I think probably my experiences specifically, I'd like to think anyway, um, has made me a little more open-minded, a little more, uh, a little less judgmental, a little more, I don't know, arms wide open trying to, you know, hear the experiences of others and, and understand, you know, why people are the way they are. And why, um, yeah, why we choose to share or not. So I guess one of the reasons why I felt like it was a cool time to get to share this with you and with your listeners is because I feel like if, you know, one person could hear my story and decide I'm not going to be silenced anymore by my shame or my sin or whatever it is that you struggle with and what does it look like to bring our experiences or our challenges into the light if you will and 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 share our truth and ultimately you know hopefully have a community where healing can happen and where truth is Uh, at the forefront of everything we do, right? Because none of us are perfect. So let's see, I leave high school, I go to college. College is crazy. I had lived in the same place my whole life and was in kind of a bubble. And then I moved to Elon, which is kind of a bubble all of its own, but it definitely opened my eyes to lots of different kinds of people and I had the time of my life studying musical theater and building a community of fellow aspiring artists and I just loved my experience there I loved getting to study abroad and I found InterVarsity there which is a Christian organization on campus and 
really early on joined this Bible study called Crazy Love that was uh, kind of built around the Francis Chan book. And I remember this cute little curly headed blonde girl popped up, you know, people were getting up and kind of pitching their Bible studies. And so I ended up uh, going to that one and that girl was named Becca and just totally fell in love with her my freshman year her passion for God and for being a leader and for mm, pursuing people well and I thought she just had this really rad quiet confidence and I thought she was really wise and fast forward that summer I was doing summer stock in Ohio and met her big brother and Spoiler alert. Oh my uh, gosh. I've, that was 10 years ago. So we've been, yeah, we've been together for 10 years now. We dated for a couple wow. years and we were uh, engaged for a year and we just had our seven year wedding anniversary. Yep, that's right. Seven. Seven so, years. Yeah. It's crazy. That's amazing. I love that you connected through his sister. Yes. That's and through so university, fun. which is crazy because... He didn't go to my college, but but getting right. connected to that awesome Christian organization ultimately kind of led me to him, which is really sweet, I think. Well, Jenna Claire, I just thank you for your bravery and your vulnerability for sharing that story with me, but also with all the people listening, because I know for me, I can't imagine what that experience was like, mm. but just to hear how you've experienced God's love through it and how much purpose you said purpose in the broken you said purpose in the brokenness right that Mm -hmm. you heard from the televangelist um, that you found in in the Lord is inspiring for me and for the brokenness that I have in my own story and just that you can stand on the other side of it all and to say God is good he's faithful and he's never left you um that's so powerful and I know it is for the listeners of this podcast and uh, just whatever maybe they have in the dark that they're scared to bring to the light or um, just anything that they might be going through because we we all have broken and messy parts of our stories but I think because we live in this world of highlight reels and pretty pictures I think we all can begin to feel like we're the only ones who have mess and therefore we just push it down and leave it in the dark. And I know that there are lots of people listening who want to find freedom and healing and purpose in those parts of their stories, but just don't know how. So I would, I would love for you to just share a word of encouragement to those listening who honestly just may feel scared to death to, um, to address it, but then to also seek someone like Jesus who loves them so deeply um, and might be a scary subject for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know for me, even leading up to more recent conversations that I've had, it's looked like um, a lot of prayer. It's looked like uh, digging into God's word. I know you and I have been sharing a lot of scripture recently revolving around light which I love. Maybe we can maybe you can include some of those in the show notes because when you start looking for it, doesn't it feel like it's everywhere? It's everywhere. It's just threaded through the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And then I think 
just deciding like the first conversation that you have to have and taking steps towards that and ideally it's you know someone who loves you someone who can support you and I know for me um something that kept me from having conversations with uh, people that are close to me uh for a long time is guilt which is something I've only recognized more recently and I feel like uh it makes sense that the the enemy would use that to silence somebody. But the guilt of uh, maybe being silent for so long or the guilt of, oh, this is a heavy burden to bear and I don't want to put that on you um, when ultimately the people who love you and the people in your community are, you know, equipped to and willing to share share our burdens and yeah help us help us on our way towards healing why do you think it's important to say i see you or i hear you and to have people in your life who walk with you through seasons like that well like i said one of the the first person i told the first people i told were my parents and and that was great because they're great but Right alongside them was probably uh, an acting teacher, actually, from high school that I shared with. Um, just a really strong woman of God. And um, isn't it true that in acting, when we're listening and responding and telling the truth, that our truth will come out inevitably or can um, if there's a place for that? And so having someone, a teacher, um, to share in that with me and um, someone who had experienced something similar when she was young and to have them hear my story and say, yeah, exactly what you said. I see you. Also, me too. And the comfort in knowing, um, well, first, I mean, obviously it's awful, but just the comfort in knowing like I'm, I'm not alone. I don't have to journey in this alone. I'm not the only one who has ever experienced this kind of trauma. And, um, there's, there's resources and there's healing. And then I think too, she was older than me and I saw that she was married and she had a, you know, a child and it was kind of, I think comforting for me to see, you know, this is someone who's who's worked through this and uh, experienced healing and forgiveness and release from from shame and and they have a, a beautiful life and a blessed life and wanting to to walk in in that way. Jenna Claire, for this to be a podcast about living in the light, I just can't think of a more powerful way to start us off than to talk about walking in the victory given to us through Christ. Um, I mean, you and I both know that the enemy wants us to hide our mess and to keep it in the dark. When the reality is it's, it's in the light where he loses his power because in the light is freedom and hope because we know that because of Jesus, We are victorious over any amount of brokenness we experience here on earth. So I just know that your story of God's faithfulness and goodness in your life through some pretty dark times is one that will have a huge impact on the people listening and on the people in your life. 
as you continue to journey through. So just thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for having me and and thank you for, you know, being Oh man, when we kind of did our pre-interview, all of this was, you know, some of the stuff I shared with you kind of became the the instigating factor for me to, yeah, keep moving uh, in this direction on my own journey towards healing. And and that's been really cool. I was like, Laura Lee, you're starting a revival over here. My goodness. (laughs) God is starting the revival. Mm. But so cool to see that he literally uses everything. Yes. Even a podcast. Yes. You just said he uses everything. And I feel like I want to share that Bob Goff quote that I know I sent to you, but I feel like it's so good. Yes. Um, Share it. And I know it's not scripture, but it's fantastic. Oh, we can share all the quotes too. In God's economy, nothing is ever wasted. Not our pain, nor our disappointments, nor our setbacks. These are tools that can be used later as a recipe for our best work. Quit throwing the batter away. And batter is in quotation. Love that. That is so good. But that reminder that that nothing is ever wasted, right? Nothing is purposeless. Mm -mm. He's working together a thousand things all at the same time. Mm. And we won't ever see all he's doing, but we get to be a small part of it. And your story is a big part of it. So we literally get to play pretend for a living and it's the best thing ever. Jenna Claire, I would love for you to talk about just your love for storytelling and how you experience God through that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're exactly right. It's It's a dream come true, literally, to get to play pretend for our jobs and be a part of telling stories through singing and acting and dancing, right? And when I think about the kind of stories I like to tell the most, it's the ones that have redemptive endings. And, you know, I think it's the reason why people love superhero and Marvel movies. I think it's the, you know, I think we love seeing uh, a hero come and, and save the day and I don't think that's an accident that we're drawn to those kinds of stories because I think it reflects um, the the gospel and Jesus's love for us and, and being our hero and yeah I think one of my biggest takeaways from my theatrical experiences definitely is is getting to use I think my giftings to get to you know uh, sing and and dance but then also what I really value most uh you know leaving uh, a contract or a show is is my relationships that you develop because it's different in theater than you know being on a set and maybe filming for a day or two but the fact that you get to do life with your company day in and day out eight times a week can be grueling and rewarding and uh, the relationships that you build as a result is I think really special I mean yes what we do is so intimate and we're just like dancing and singing on top of each other and it's yeah we're definitely doing life with them it takes it's not a cubicle in an office is it no 
No, and I think, I mean, don't you feel like walking away from Mean Girls for a few months, you're probably not thinking about the blocking. You're probably not thinking about the lyrics so much as you're thinking about the friends um, that you miss being on stage with and in your dressing room with and the dance captain that taught you all the material and the stage manager that you get to see every day who gives you notes and, you know, helps us be the best performers we can be. And I think those are the, that's what I really miss. It's definitely what I miss. I miss the stage, but I for sure miss the people more. And I was only with them for like two weeks. Mm. And yet, I just, I feel such a connection to them. Um, there's even been uh, such a praise in quarantine, a small group of us women that have um, continued to gather on Zoom each week and to talk about just life and our love for God. And it's just been such a blessing. And if I wouldn't have joined the cast of Mean Girls, I wouldn't have met them. Mm-hmm. And they've just, they've been such a consistent group. Um, to meet with and we need people in our lives right now Absolutely. don't we yeah and I love that you I love that you found that community at your work that's so cool and I feel like so many artists are struggling right now because well it feels like our industry is seemingly obsolete at the moment but we know that's not the case but I think people are looking for yes community but also direction the industry is a miracle in the making i believe it jenna claire when we talked uh, you mentioned when referring to your own personal faith that it's about the relationship not the religion can you expand on that a little bit well i know we were talking about how what you miss about performing on broadway is you know you probably don't think about you're blocking you probably don't think about the costumes or the songs even though all that is fun I feel like what you probably think about is the relationships and the people that you were so used to doing life with every day right this crazy eight show a week schedule this crazy Manhattan quick-paced lifestyle and then to have everything put on pause and suddenly not see those people every day feels crazy um and I I don't think that's I, I don't think that's an accident. I think God hardwired us to be in relationship. And I feel like, you know, the greatest commandment is to, to love God and and to love others. And I feel like that's the heart of the gospel, right? That, you know, Jesus didn't die for religion. He died for relationship and in relationship with mm-hmm. with us. And I think it's it's a gift to to have relationships right with our with our neighbors and and with our castmates and and with you with with our brothers and sisters in Christ and yeah it's a gift such a gift wow okay so i ask everybody two fun questions at the end are okay. you ready for your fun questions jenna claire i'm ready larley okay what musical have you been loving recently Oh, this is a fun question because I feel like in quarantine, my love for Broadway has reignited because I mean, what do you think? Like when you're doing the thing every day, it's not your go to Spotify playlist, right? Absolutely. But now I find myself being like, Alexa, play Broadway show tunes. (laughs) Yes. Um, Let's see. 
I have been teaching. My friend Mary Kate and I started an online virtual musical theater school, which has been so fun and a creative way for me to get to pivot and redirect. I feel like my skill set and things that I've studied in a different way instead of being like, oh, how can I use you know, my college education to be the best performer I can be. It's kind of uh, shifted to pouring into these kids. And I've been so inspired and it's been so meaningful to see our amazing students learn and really latch on to direction and grow and improve. And oh my gosh, we did virtual recitals last month and I didn't know I was capable of crying so many tears but just like so many proud mama tears but uh having students has made me dig into a lot of different material some some that I've loved from the past and I'm revisiting and and then new material I wasn't super familiar with six before but yeah trying to continue to you know learn about all all the new shows that are coming out but let's see Oh my gosh, I stand by the fact that I think Legally Blonde is a perfect musical. I still love The Light in the Piazza. Kinky Boots is so fun. And it's cool seeing these kids get so excited about the material and then make it all their own. Ugh, they're getting you excited about just the whole world of Broadway. Absolutely. I was going to ask how you're being creative during this time, but you just told us... um, Tell us how we can follow along or connect with what you're doing. Yeah. So when Mary-Kate and I were on tour, the some of the Wicked fans affectionately dubbed us the double name witches. And, you know, I love a double name. And I do feel like you meet a lot of ladies in the South with a double name. And even some guys, too, right? There's some Billy Bobs out there, I'm sure. Um, but I love that you have a double name, Lara Lee. And so Mary-Kate and I, they called us the double name witches. Ha ha, like that. Glinda and Elphaba. And so, so our Instagram is double name witches. And our website is doublenamewitches.com. We're in the midst of summer sessions and we are dreaming up fall sessions. And we went from 29 students our first month to 50 students this month. So it's cool to see this little community keep growing. And I feel like if I was a teenager, our students actually age or range from seven to 31, which is really cool. We have it separated into seven different classes kind of by age and skill level. But I think just to be in a community with other people who love the arts and love Broadway and love musical theater. I had a cool friend group in middle school, but none of them really liked Broadway. So I feel like I was always kind of the silly show tunes girl. (laughs) And so I really love that people are getting to connect with other people who love Broadway. Well, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Jenna Claire, thank you so much for being my first interview on the show I loved having you thank you for having me when you texted me that first day you had kind of told me on a FaceTime date we were having that you were dreaming about starting a podcast 
And I thought that was so cool that you were wanting to use your, your storytelling giftings to do that, but then also your whole idea about it to, you know, to unite artists and believers and uh, to share stories, right? The, the good and the bad and the messy. And I, yeah, I remember you texted me and you said, I've been praying about it and I feel like you're supposed to be my first guest. And it's just, I'm, I'm really honored. Well, I'm honored to have you on and I'm just excited to see what God does through this. Thanks, Jenna Claire. Thanks, Laura Lee. I love you. I love you. Mwah. What an awesome conversation with Jenna Claire. I loved what she said about our walk with the Lord being about relationship over religion. So at the end of every episode, I'm going to take some time to talk about a passage of scripture from the word of God. I believe it is God-breathed in the most powerful tool to know God and to learn how to follow Him. The Bible is how we understand God's love for us and how to love others like Jesus. So today we are going to dive into a passage from the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12. If you have a Bible or the Bible app on your phone, I encourage you to open it up with me. If not, listen to the words from the Word. John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The way I love to break down a passage of scripture is by using the SOAP method. SOAP is simply an acronym that stands for scripture, observation, application, prayer. Easy to remember, right? If you want to take a moment to pause the podcast and write out this verse, and then after you've written it out, I'll talk more about where we find Jesus in this passage, what it teaches us about God, and how that applies to our own lives. So this passage is found in the middle of John chapter 8. As we observe this scene, we find Jesus surrounded by people with a condemned woman in the temple courts during the festival of tabernacles. It is fitting that Jesus makes this specific I am statement here during the festival, which was a time of remembering Israel's journey in the desert and the pillar of fire that guided and gave light to the people during the Exodus. To set the scene, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought into the temple courts a woman caught in adultery to stone her. In order to have a reason to accuse Jesus of not obeying the law, they questioned him about this woman before the people. As they continue to question Jesus, he bends down into the sand and writes a message with his finger, full of mercy and gentleness. Jesus says to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. I can almost feel the hush of the silence of the people in the temple courts. The arguing, the accusing, the questioning, it all comes to a halt. One by one, they begin to go away. And here you have left Jesus and this woman, I imagine, terrified, shaking with fear, full of shame and deeply hurting. He looks at her and he says, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? To which she replies, No one, sir. Jesus responds and says, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus then turns to the people and he says the words, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
This powerful act of grace and love towards this woman caught in her mess and condemned. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Now go and turn from your sin and walk in the light, which is me. I am the light of the world. And when you follow me, you will never walk in the dark. You will have the light of life. He says, you'll have a relationship with me, the light of the world. That's how much I love you and want you and see you. Taking this passage and applying it to your life, Jesus sees your mess and he says, neither do I condemn you. He also says, whoever follows me will never walk in the dark, but will have the light of life. So it leads me to ask the question, do you follow him? Maybe you do, maybe you don't, or maybe you aren't sure. What I do know is that he is for you and he wants a relationship with you. I can't share this verse about Jesus being the light of the world without also sharing how you can know him personally. If you know him already, remember what it was like believing this for the first time. If you've never heard this before, I'm so excited for you because this is the best news ever. Here's what God's word says about how to follow him. Following Jesus is first admitting that you're a messy, sinful person in need of a savior. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then it's acknowledging that your mess and sin separates you from God and ultimately leads to death. But the gift of Jesus gives you eternal life. Romans 6.23 tells us that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, you are given the gift of eternal life, made new, adopted into sonship, a friend and co-heir of Christ Jesus, forever eternity spent with him. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were perfected and had everything together or fixed up and cleaned up, but right where we are the worst of sinners in need of a good God. So it's as simple as this. The word of God says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Romans 10, nine through 10. I'll always end the episode with prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God, our friend and father. Whether you've never talked to God or you talk to him all the time, join me in saying a prayer of receiving the gift God has given all of us through his son, Jesus, the light of the world. Repeat after me. Dear God, you are good. I need you. I bring all of my mess and the weight of my life that I might be carrying to you right now. I know that apart from you, I am in the dark. And I believe that Jesus, the Son of God, lived a perfect life and took on the weight of sin and death when he died on the cross for me. 
thank you, God, that he conquered the victory through his resurrection. And that now I get to step into his light by choosing to follow him. Father, thank you that your grace has given me freedom through forgiveness of my sin. I want to live in the light and look forward to spending eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Thanks for sharing this time with me, friend. It's such a joy to walk alongside you through this podcast. In today's episode, we talked about some pretty heavy things. I don't know what your story is or where you're at today, but I wanted to provide a resource for if you need immediate help or just someone to listen. See the link in the show description and visit anthemofhope.com for more information. I cannot wait to share with you the conversations I've been having with the guests I'm bringing on the show in season one. These friends of mine are real and vulnerable with their stories and they are bringing you some truth. So subscribe to the podcast and join me each week. I'll be dropping a new conversation on the podcast every Monday morning. You can also find a link to subscribe to my newsletter. I'll send you an email the day each episode launches with the show notes, links from the show, the scripture we studied together, and a few updates always from me, Laura Lee. A big thanks to Mike Stapleton and Helen Kemeny for the original music heard on the podcast. And also thanks to Colleen Bruton for editing the show. I have a request. Would you share it with a friend? You never know how one person's story could be exactly what that person on your heart needs to hear today. God is moving big in small places. Go live in the light, friend. You are so loved. <laughs>